Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. What's up, nerds? This is Just a Couple Arslings, a Last Kingdom podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jessica Toomer. And I'm Alyssa Fixie. We're writers for Sci-Fi Wires fangirls who started recapping The Last Kingdom in season three. So we decided to bring that nerdy, horny energy to Podcastlandia. And we're back. We're back. Season four. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> I cannot believe we've like finally made it because it feels like we've waited a year for this season. I know. I know. It's been too long. I mean, it has been long. pretty long. It's like yeah. Game of Thrones length long that we've waited. Well, I mean, it takes so long to film these seasons. Like, of course, we would have to wait because there's so much that goes into production. But like, also, oh, my God, like, it was killer. The wait was killer. I know. So I'm really stoked it, that we're back. It doesn't help that, you know, obviously, life is different now. We're all mm. in um, quarantine. We're not going to be mentioning the Q word too much uh, this season just because we want to keep things focused on the show and, like, happy. Um, but, but we also, did need this. We needed The Last Kingdom because, right. yeah. <laughs> right. Like, you know, there will be some acknowledgement because that's just life right now. And, you know, there have been a couple of tweaks to the format to deal with the fact that we're not going out and doing anything fun. So, you know. <laughs> we have no social life <laughs> these days. We're um, living not vicariously. For me. <laughs> mm, we're living vicariously through Uhtred because he can go outside. So. Right. Yeah. This this first episode starts with a huge battle. And the whole time I'm just thinking, six feet, please stand <laughs> six feet apart. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So that's how my brain is these days. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it. let's just get into it because. Yeah. There's so much that happened this episode. Um, I had to actually watch, like, the recap to, like, kind of situate myself into where we are. Sure. Uh, just because it's been so long and so much has happened. Yeah. And we start off with this, like, incredibly brutal battle on the shores of Bebenberg. Um the importance of hills again rears again. its ugly head. <laughs> it's, it is the battle move on the show is utilize your, your terrain. So, but yeah, I thought this episode like really hit the ground running. Um, you know, nothing like some viscera and blood spurting to get you back into the world of the last kingdom. Um, but I thought it was really important because like it really showed where Aelfrich is at. Like, you know, you've, he's he's got Bebenberg, so in a way he's secure, but at the same time he's losing men and he's constantly getting hit by this, like, Scottish invasion. So, you know, he's got Bebenberg, so there is security there, but at the same time his hold is quite tenuous right now. So, you know, it's time for somebody to actually go to Bebenberg and strike <laughs> while the iron is hot. Works. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's I think it's like easy to think of. We haven't like really thought of Ilfrich in a, in a while, but it's easy to kind of imagine him sitting on his throne with his gold and like getting fat and like just enjoying the spoils of his like betrayal. Um, he's not. And and he's not. He's really paying for it. And that's really it's like rewarding to see um mm. it's also good news for you know Uhtred who has kind of just been laying in wait and cook them and uh I think since Alfred's death this has become like his driving force this is you know what he thinks he needs to do with his life now he's he's done his part for Wessex and England and now he needs to like go get his own so it, it's it's good for him that Alfred is struggling uh and of course we get to see so the Scots, they're trying to invade. Aelfrich is kind of pushing them back as much as he can, sacrificing men along the way. He's lost half of his army. We see some of the some of his guard kind of get brutally murdered, and mm. uh, scavengers pick off their their gold and and anything of value outside the gates. While he kind of just berates the men left inside, which is not. Not good leadership. I think morale needs a boost and it's getting up move. in someone's face. Yeah, yeah. not the move. Um, but it's nice because we get to see Osforth and Finnan like right out of the gate. Love I know it. that they're, you know, 
like rifting over like dead soldiers and stealing things from dead bodies. So maybe that's a little bit dark, but any any chance to see them together. <laughs> right. The most important thing that they're stealing is information. So the, you know, cook and crew, they get their their spy and they take it back to Uhtred, <laughs> who may have been lying in wait, but he is not alone. Uhtred and oh. Athelflaed doing it in secret. Keep it busy. <laughs> right. I want, okay. Yeah. I had a really hard time gauging how much time had passed in between seasons. Mm. Do you Same. have any insight? Because, like, I, you know, we never saw Uhtred's kids a lot before, but they're, like, teens now. So has it been mm-hmm. a decade since the I, last I would think season? At most a decade, maybe five to seven years. I mean, here's okay. the problem. We used to gauge time um, on this show, at least for this podcast, we used to gauge time by how sick Alfred looked. Mm, <laughs> and that's Alfred's true. dead now. <laughs> so now We've we have to gauge time gauge. by Edward's hair length. <laughs> and mm. I feel like that particular do probably takes about five to seven years to really grow, get the crimp in it like he's got. Um, right. Yeah, I, I feel like it's been it's been a good amount of time. I don't know if it's been a full decade, but it, it does feel like again, no one ages on the show. That's the thing. So, they've really they've committed to the outlander way of aging where like mm-hmm. everybody still looks young and hot. So Right. Okay. There's just a little bit more dirt, a little bit right. more grind on everyone. Maybe <laughs> maybe Uhtred has some crow's feet now, but like he looks the same. So which I yeah. respect, that's fine. But it just I wish we got like Chiron or something that was like seven years later or something to just sort of just a throwaway line of like right. you know just what to I mean? kind of acclimate us in this new world. But it's fine. We can figure it out. I know it's not yeah. that important, but I would like to know. I, well, I do think enough time has passed, obviously, <clears throat> for Uhtred and Ethelflaed to kind of, This feels like this kind of secret tryst feels like something they've been doing for a while. A while, And yeah. um, just their, their behavior with each other throughout the episode uh, feels like something that's been, like, it's been a relationship that's been building, you know, for, I sure. would think, for years. Yeah, that that level of intimacy and, like, shorthand in the way they communicate is not something that you just, you know, have after a couple of booty calls. Like, this has been going on for a long time. Yeah, and you know what? Good for Ethelflaed. You Like, get yours, you know what I mean? Because she's living with Ethelred. He's the worst. I, I think, like, even the threat of, like, being exposed for adultery, and obviously that would have been terrible back in that time. Mm-hmm. It's like, she's like, I'm going to find happiness wherever I can because he's going to make my life hell sure. no matter what. So, yeah, if finding happiness is, like, getting it on with Uhtred every so often, do you. Right. Yeah, and, you know... Aldhelm comes to sort of pick her up, which, like, you know, that's got to be a bummer for him. Because, like, (laughs) last season he confesses, like, how much he loves her. And then, like, now he's coming to pick her up after her dick appointment. So, like, that has got to sting. (laughs) like the Uber after her dick appointment. I don't believe in the friend zone. Like, that's not a thing. It's not. But he's, he's definitely, like... He's learned his place. And right. I like that he even, he's like, I don't want you to think this is coming out of a place of envy. I'm just worried about you. Right. And she's like, yeah, I know you're not envious. And it, it feels like it's been a really long time that he's had to, like, come to that place of, like, okay, I'm not uh, jealous anymore. Right. You know? so, so there's another, had, like, time passage of time. Right. Aldhelm's over it. But, yeah, so Uhtred clearly wants her to stay. You know, Athelred is getting suspicious, so, like, she has to go home back to Mercia. But Uhtred clearly, you know, he's in it to win it with this relationship. (laughs) And so, but she, you know, she, Athelred at her core is a leader. And so she knows that it would be really bad for her people if she just abandoned them and came to be Uhtred's lady. So... That's not a she's thing her that father's daughter. She is. She's very pragmatic, um, and I respect that. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's it's you know getting a little soap opera-y there, but I love it. Um, you know, but what? yeah, we deserve that. We do. <laughs> we do. 
Um, so yeah, while they're, you know, working through their relationship stuff, we, you know, we kind of settle in on the Danes for a second. And again, another marker of time, I think, is the fact that like Brita knows Knut's kids now. Mm -hmm. Um, she's like training them, telling them that mercy is for Christians and, you know, you really (laughs) just need to stab people in the gut because that's the Dane way. Um, but yeah, and the Danes, they're established enough that they're starting to bring their families over and setting mm-hmm. them up in settlements, which feels a little cocky considering how well Danish invasion has gone in the long run. But, you know, they never learn, has though, these Danes. They don't. Um, they don't. I think, yeah, it's so good to see Brita. And, you know, I love gingers, but I think two more canuts is just way, way too, too many. many. Too many. <laughs> Um, but yeah, they're, they're kind of uh, chilling out and, um, there's a, there's a tenuous kind of peace. Um, obviously the Danes are always going to be thinking of conquering and, uh, destroying Alfred's vision of a united England, especially now that he's gone. And so they're kind of like, they're on the, you know, they're, they're tense and ready, um, Mm -hmm. but they're just playing at this kind of peace game. And so we see, um... Heston. Always scheming that Heston. Yes. <laughs> God, I there was a moment when he pops up and I'm like, oh my God, he's still alive. Like I, know. I was just so depressed about it. I was so disappointed. He's the cockroach of the last kingdom. I really I he don't really think is. anything can kill him. I think he's gonna make it until the end. I don't know exactly how. He's but gonna I, be sitting on the throne of right. <laughs> craziest conspiracy theory (laughs) Heston wins the game of the last kingdom yeah (laughs) but yeah you know he we kind of get this feeling from him that he's tired of fighting and he's you know he's ready to settle down and get fat in his own hall so he meets with Eardwolf who is a new character and he's (laughs) Athelred's new commander and he's hot and ready to meet with Heston and like do some backyard dealings or whatever and basically Heston tells him that Canute is peacing out and heading to Ireland to rescue a cousin um, so they'll have these Danish camps that are full of women and children and relatively unprotected and the people who are do the fighting you know Brita and the men and all those formidable opponents will be off in Ireland and you know this is an opportunity for Ethelred to get one over on the Danes. So he thinks. Yeah. Right. I mean, this is Heston we're talking about. You can't mm. trust anything that comes out of his mouth. Nope. Um, and you know what? Also, I just, I don't know what is worth the name of Eardwolf or the nickname of Arslicker. Um, but it's not, this dude. It's not a great option either way. It's not. It's not. And this dude <laughs> seems like he's just like a. A cheaper version of of you know Ethelred's last right hand man, who we now love and who is helping our our sweet princess kind of have hookups uh, in right. secret. So I just seem, feel like he doesn't seem to have like the the wherewithal to be as intense as Ald Helmet was about help, helping Ethelred. Um, yeah. I just, I kind of feel like he's, well, they made it very clear that he's really just in it for himself when I do believe that Aldhelm really was in it for Mercia before he yeah, was in it he, for Yeah, he had a driving vision. Sure. Um, Erdwolf is, you know, his dad used to hump horses, so he's trying to kind of get back, get his mm. family name, you know, back um, in the good graces of Ethelred, and so that's that's why he's doing what he's doing, and he sees an opportunity you know, with this information that he's bought from Heston, he doesn't really know Heston or his history. Mm-hmm. Um, so he takes what he says at face value and brings it back uh, to Ethelred, who has just been spending his time trying to get with Erdwith's sister, Edith. Edith, Edith yes. right? Edith. Yeah, Edith. God, so many. First we had the Ethels, and now we have the E's. Yes. Yeah, there's, there's only so many root for, uh, clauses for uh, Saxon <laughs> names. So you're going to be an Athel, an Ale, or now an E. So, But yeah, I, I'm, you know, I'm interested with the addition of these sibling characters. I think watching them play um, Athelred could be really fun um, because they're definitely in it to, you know, secure their fortunes and 
fix their family name because, you know, sounds like dad did a great job of leaving the family honor uh, six feet under. So yeah. they're going to do what they can to sort of use Athelred to their own gain. And speaking of Athelred, can I just say that his crown is absolutely ridiculous? Just like oh him God. wandering around with his little boy prince crown on. I was just, ugh, he's just the worst. He's so stupid. Yeah. He's so so dumb looking. I mean, no wonder that, you know, people are just, like, chomping at the bit to try to, like, get one over on him because he just looks the part of a fool. I mean, yeah, exactly. if you're going to be an idiot, at least kind of, you know, put on an air. Yeah, put on an air of, like, I know what I'm doing. Everyone mm-hmm. knows he doesn't know what he's doing. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, so while that's that's going on in Mercia, obviously, Ethelred is continuing to try to kind of push his, his power, and he... It's not sitting well with him that he's, like, kind of beholden to Edward. He was mm. never happy to be that for Alfred, but yeah. especially for Edward, who's, like, this young boy king. It's, like, that's the biggest insult. Um, so he's chomping at the bit to kind of make moves. And so is, you know, so is Uhtred because sure. I guess the only thing that, you know, gets the bun pumping more than having, you know, a secret affair is to take back your, like, birthright. Yeah, so, you know, Finnan and Citric and Osferth come rolling back into Cookham. I just, I love watching them interact with Uhtred. Like, that foursome is just my favorite. Their chemistry oh is God, so it's good. It's like their Viking boy band. I just yes. love it. And they've I'm all got new haircuts. Them. Yes, they've <laughs> Except got. Except for Osferth. Right. I, was, I, I noticed that, too. I was like, oh, God bless the baby monk for still having his monk haircut, even though he has mostly left that life behind. I respect that They move. knew we needed something, like, familiar and grounding. And so, so we've got like, Oz first monk cut. <laughs> this will bring comfort. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, they, you know, they've decided that now is the time to take back Bevenberg while um, Aelfrich is relatively weak and so Uhtred rides to Wessex and is like all right it's time to raise an army you know Edward's gonna see the value in this and how it'll unite the four kingdoms and it'll just be better for everybody so obviously he's gonna give me all the troops that I want because I've sacrificed so much for Wessex. Mm -hmm. Spoiler alert it does not go according to plan. No. Here's the thing. This feels like, again, this is like deja vu. How many times has Uhtred ridden to Wessex, thought that the king there would honor his, um, you know, his loyalty and his allegiance and everything he's done for him by giving him something that he wanted and just kind of, when he gets there, he realizes no one, like, these are not loyal. Like, they, they don't care. <laughs> they don't. They've got what they wanted from you, and now they're moving on. And so it's sad to see that Edward is is like that as well, but he's he's really under the influence of um, his Ethel Helm. Yeah. His father-in-law. Um, so much so that we see, and I think this episode spends a, a good amount of time kind of uh, – laying the foundation for this kind of battle between Ethelhem and Aylesworth because she has really, like, you know, been downgraded. Her sure. her level of access to Edward, her importance, um, her, her input, like, none of that is valued anymore. Mm-hmm. And we kind of, we catch up with everything happening in Wessex with her watching Alfred's, like, you know, library be gutted for a war room it's like the worst episode of viking extreme makeover ever so <laughs> i just I, I feel for her when we see her again and i never thought i would say that about Aylesworth. <laughs> i know i really i i yeah we've been pretty hard on Aylesworth in the past i'll admit and, we have and i really i was interested to see how she was dealing with everything this episode and it's not well um, no. I think. <laughs> well, her her bedroom is near the kitchen. The kitchen. I, mean, I was like, hell? I was shocked. I, I I admittedly I was shocked at the disrespect that Edward was mm-hmm. handing to his mother because they seemed to be, you know, relatively on the same page in the past. But mm-hmm. you know, Alfred is gone, and I really, you know, again, we've always been pretty hard on Alfred in the past, but I really did feel his absence in this episode. Um, and I think the fact that his Saxon Chronicle was packed up so roughly really drove that home. Um, <sighs> but yeah, like Aleswith, she, you know, her, 
obviously her position would change now that she was a widow and she wasn't the wife of the king anymore, but I kind of assumed that Edward would have kept her counsel, but he is not. He is just lying to her that everything is fine. <laughs> he's cutting her out of every decision that he makes, and he's really leaning on his father-in-law a lot, um, yeah. which I think is dangerous, to the point where they're going to make his wife, Athelswith, Aleswith, Aleswith, making, wait, no. No, Aleswith is mom. Aleswith is sure mom. It's Athelswith. Athelswith? Is queen. It's too matter. close. <laughs> they're making. You know who we're talking about. Right. This girl. <laughs> they're cutting out Aleswith and making Edward's wife the queen, which is very unorthodox yeah. and a real slap in the face. Um, so, yeah, Aleswith is in a bad way. Another person in a bad way is Bayoka. He is obviously <sighs> still mourning Tira, understandably. And he's, you know, he's staying at Hill's Abbey and he's just writing a sad book. And he's not the Bayoka <laughs> that we comfort. know. Right, St. Cuthbert. Um, I, I mean, the worst thing is to see him, like, struggling with writer's block, to be honest. It's like, ugh. Relatable. I feel that, like, deep in my bones. <laughs> right, right. Like, add insult to injury. Like, he's already, like, grieving and, like, so upset about Tira. And now he can't even write a damn book. Right. Um, yeah, he's really—you see it. I mean, Bioka's never been, like, a, you know, a young dude. But— for a show that, like, doesn't kind of pay attention to making their characters age, you see the age on Bioka just from the way, you know, he plays it with his grief and, and everything that is going on with him. He's so kind of, like, beaten down, and it's so sad to yeah. see. There was a real, like, bone-deep weariness whenever he was mm-hmm. on screen, and that really broke my heart. Um, but, yeah, so he... Anyway, Uchi struggling. Comes, and right, he's having a hard time, and he's got Hild there, which is great because Hild is like the best person to have in a crisis. <sighs> um, but yeah, Uchi rolls in to you know say hey and be like, "All right, we're going to take Bebenberg. You guys are obviously going to come with me, right?" <laughs> and I was a little crushed when Hild was like. No, because I wanted to see him take up her sword again. Come on, on. Uh, that's who you are. This nun, this nun, like look, it's just a facade. Like you're a warrior (laughs) deep in your heart. No, I think you know. Obviously, Hilda's found some peace, and I'm so happy for her because that's what she wanted. Um, I think Bioka's a little quick to say no. He -hmm. just doesn't know where he fits in at this point. Right. Um. But yeah, it was it was sad. <laughs> Udrid got like so many rejections this episode. I know. So it's like you know his like pride is a little bit hurt. Like even his friends don't want to like come with him to take back Bebenberg. <laughs> right. It's not great. He's struggling to get the band back together. Um, yeah, that's but the Bioka worst. Bioka does give him some good information though, and lets him know that um, Athelred is collecting saints' bones. So mm. he's like playing a really weird game of Operation slash Frankenstein and <laughs> working to sort of collect these relics in a way to bless his endeavors in taking over East Anglia. So the heart of that is at Bebenberg. So now mm-hmm. Utrecht is like, all right, so this is another sign that I need to take it so that I can, you know, sort of stop Athelred from being able to really get the divine blessing. Which, can I just say that I find it extremely ironic whenever they get really reverent about bones and all this stuff when they were so dismissive of um, the Danish use of bones and witchcraft. I was like, is it really that different to be like, all right, if it's we gather same. all the saints' bones, I'm like, it's it's all the same. It's the same. <clears throat> the hypocrisy is real. Um, you know, yeah. whatever. <laughs> I don't think that collecting a dead man's bones is, like, good battle strategy. But Mm. you know what, Ethelred, we've already said he's not the brightest. Um, I think what this really means for Uhtred, you know, he he meets um, Ethelfled in in the the kind of nunnery's orchard. Um, Mm. And they have a moment, and then she's like, actually, I'm not here to just hook up. I've got some, like, intel for you. He learns about um, Ethelred's plan, and he's— Athelred has already sent a couple monks to Bevenberg because that's where the heart is. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is, you know what, we could intercept these monks 
and pretend to be them and gain entrance into this fortress. Because the biggest thing Bebenberg has going for it is its walls and how impenetrable they are. Sure. Um, So if they can get in, half the battle is already won. Right. And again, Ethelfled, just such a damn genius. I'm so in awe of her. Like every episode, she just like brings it with the battle strategy. Mm. She's so much smarter than her husband. Mm. so so that seems to be the way they're going to go because they've been denied, you know, by Edward. They yeah. clearly don't have enough men. Even though Aelfrich's guard is, like, really diminished, they still don't have enough men to kind of first take the the castle and take the fortress and then kind of defeat everyone that's in there and then hold off the Scots if they were to, like, you know, invade quickly. So... They have to be really strategic about it, and this seems like the smartest plan. I don't know if it's going to work, yeah. but for it to work, they need a monk, and right. they're not well, going for Bayoka. Well, and the thing is, it was kind of shocking for Edward to, like, deny him so outright, you know? Like, it really mm-hmm. shows how much influence Athelhelm has on him, because, you know, Edward has Peerleg, and he has Steapa with him, who are both, you know, relatively friendly with Uhtred, especially Peerleg. And, you know, Father Pierre, like, he does tell him, you know, this is a good idea. We should help Uhtred, blah, blah, blah. It'll help secure the kingdom. And Edward is like, actually, no, because Athelhelm is not Athelhelm. Oh, my God. I'm like, killing these. Yeah, these Athelhelm. Athel- You're it right. is Athelhelm. All right. I wanted to make sure it. I got it right. The Athels are killing me. Um, Athelhelm is all like, you know what? The debt is paid. We're square. We don't owe Uhtred anything. Uhtred doesn't owe us anything. So we're not going to give you men. And Edward is like, yeah, that's a great idea. Um, And Uhtred, I think, is really taken aback by that because he's always played rather well with Edward. And I think, Mm -hmm. I don't think he, I don't think Uhtred is malicious in a way that he thought that he could just sort of manipulate Edward into giving him everything that he wanted. But I do think that he thought that there was a level of trust there that would ensure that he got what he wanted and he didn't. So now, so now having to, you know, use just his own men to uh, take back Bevenberg, they really have to sort of pivot from a full on siege to being more sneaky, which is honestly what the Cookham crew is good at. Like they're good at getting in and out of places and, you know, being scrappy and resourceful. So We'll see. Yeah, they've proven that this is, like, their game, and, and they know what they're doing with it. It's still scary because, sure. you know, I don't know. This feels like capture, like recapturing Bebenberg feels like it's the end game. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, this, this is what this whole show kind of felt like it was going for. And to think that, like, we're only going to have, like, a motley crew of, like, maybe 20 men Not do good. this. Like, yeah. I just don't think it's going to end well. And so um, while they're kind of prepping and, and getting ready uh, to do that, Ethel Red mm-hmm. is about to invade the Danes. But first, he's going to make a stop to East Anglia, another part of, you know, the whole England, United England kind of idea. Um, apparently, they're like mostly cattle or people that look like cattle. I don't hmm. I don't know. I guess that means they're just not fighting material. Sure. Um, but yeah, he's like going into villages and just slaying everyone. So in case you thought, oh, maybe, you know, Ethelred has changed. No, he's still a dick. Right. Still the worst. Still only looking out for himself and Mercia. Um, but yeah, so you've got Athelred, who's, you know, causing trouble with these villagers. And you've got Aelfrich up in Bebenberg, who is in a bad spot. Like, this is the thing. This is the conflict for me is like, clearly, Aelfrich is in a really tight spot. Like, he doesn't have the men. He can't hire any mercenaries because they're afraid of the Scots. And so, you know, he sort of sees Athelred's um, decision to work to collect these relics as a way to sort of trade this family relic of this heart set in resin. Um, and Alfred, I think Alfred sort of sees that as a way of trading what Athelred wants for what he wants, which is more men in support. So mm-hmm. I can, I sort of foresee <laughs> a team up there, which is a really yeah. bad thing. Like that is two dudes that you do not want working together because they do not need to have that much power. Right. Because I think, you know, Athelred obviously is an idiot, but he's got men. He's right. got men and he's got money. Mm-hmm. And Aelfrich doesn't have either of those, but he does 
have this kind of ruthlessness and this like instinct for battle that Ethelred doesn't have and that's always kind of been his downfall when going up against, you know, someone like Uhtred. Mm-hmm. So I think together they're going to be, you know, a more formidable enemy than maybe Uhtred thinks that they would be. I think, you know, yeah. once it's kind of clear cuz I do I agree. I think that they're going to team up. It only makes sense. I don't know if that's a real heart. Um it's like in the <laughs> shape of like a like a kid drawn like Valentine's Day heart, and like I think we all know anatomy well enough to mm. know that's not what a heart looks like. Um, so someone's right. paying for like right. nonsense here, but yeah, I think right. This is a team up that's probably going to kind of direct where the season goes and what happens with Uhtred's plan. It, it's it's yeah. scary. I mean, like they're both it's gonna like be bad. idiots and jerks, but they can do some real damage. They've got the- Right, they've got the manpower. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, Uhtred, he's you know he's going to leave Wessex again empty-handed, and he makes sort of one last plea to Bayoka, and you know he really wants him there by his side, especially taking back Bebenburg because that's where their relationship started. Like Uhtred and Bayoka, like they are Bebenburg now. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's where everything began so he wants him by his side he's like you can ride on my shoulders while I'm fighting it'll be fine and Bayoka's like no I'm a sad (laughs) man I'm a sad man now I'm staying home and so uh, Uhtred goes to uh, collect his young son which okay question didn't Uhtred have three children because he only mentioned two I thought so. <laughs> um, but there's a like missing son. We know son. that the girl, right, yeah, the girl Stiora, child is thriving. Yeah. Right, she's living with Alphafled on her estate. And then right. they've got young Uhtred who was turned super pious by Alfred and the teaching that he ensured that these children have when they were children. Um, so he's like off in a monastery being super Christian, which of course rubs Uhtred the wrong way. We're out to Bourbon Burr before the Scots return. The gods are telling us to strike and take back what is mine. But yeah, he like basically goes and takes his young deacon son from the monastery where he lives and works and forces him to take back Bebenberg with him, you know, his birthright. And I'm actually, I'm really excited to see the conflict between these two in this season. Like, I think, in a, like, I don't think he'll be as formidable as a, a religious opponent as Alfred was, but I think mm-hmm. they'll have sort of that same spark together like he wants young Uhtred to not be pious like Alfred and young Uhtred is really annoyed that his dad is like a meathead warrior in his view so there, <laughs> there's gonna be there's gonna be a clash there and I think it's gonna be really interesting to watch oh yeah I'm like so here for this like three men and a baby reboot but like yeah. Viking style <laughs> with like the angsty like teenage monk who doesn't want to like overthrow his like evil uncle and take back his birthright like Love that's it. just like, I'm so here for it yeah. um, and I think it's like it's an interesting thing it's an interesting like character development for Uhtred I think mm-hmm. we've seen him kind of conquer some of his worst flaws over the seasons yeah and one thing that we haven't seen him address is just how like crappy of a father he's been he is a bad dad like you know I love Uhtred but he's a bad dad he's not yeah and you know part of that is due to the times like he's had things like more pressing issues of like trying to unite a kingdom and trying to keep like his people safe and so it kind of puts like fathering on the back burner but I think Mm -hmm. you know with Gisela gone and with everything that's happened his children kind of spread to the wind we've we see like the effects of that and so now this season feels like a time for him to like maybe make amends try to kind of be a better paternal figure Mm -hmm. um and I think it's going to be really helpful. You know, Bioka decides. Um, Bioka's kind of pushed out at the castle, and uh, yeah. Ailsworth is obviously still kind of still gunning hates for him, him for some reason. I, you know, he's not I think your biggest enemy, hon. He's not. Like, you've got other problems. Well, I, you know, I, I think she kind of sees Bioka as an enemy that she can actually go after at this mm. point. Like, she's feeling impotent in a way that she hasn't felt before because she was always the queen. So it was fine, and she could get rid of who she wanted to get rid of to a certain degree. But now that Edward has basically told her, you're just going to, like, 
sew and grow old now. Like, you don't have a job anymore. I think she's feeling really powerless, and she sort of saw Bayoka as a way to extract a last bit of power. You know, like, she's never been a fan, but now she's like, all right, you know, you don't have a job here anymore either, so I think you should GTFO. And Bayoka's like, you know what? Fine. I am going to go. I'm Peace. Gonna, right. This is not great for me. So I'm going to go. And, you know, it's as it should be for him to be with Uhtred. I really think that even if it may have been a dangerous choice. How many did we lose this time? Over half, Lord. Then we need more men. Or it'll be our heads on the ramparts. Will they go back across the border? They'll gather reinforcements in Scotland. Keep attacking until they whittle us down to nothing. They take Bib and Burr, they have a gateway south. They want all of Northumbria. They uh, sail off from Bebenberg, and Uhtred tells young Uhtred all about how it's fate, and young Uhtred is like, actually, Dad, this feels like punishment, but whatever. So it's going to be an angsty road trip, and I'm really excited to see it. It's like... It's, you know, when your parents are like, you know what, we're going to go on vacation and we're going to have a good time. and We're going to spend all that time together. Right. And you're just over here as like this. Yeah. This angsty teenager. And you're like, I just want to sit in my room and listen to like my emo rock. Right. Um, it's it's that vibe. And sure. yeah, I just think it's going to make for for a good amount of humor. I, I think like just the interactions between uh, the Cookham crew and, you know, now the new baby monk. I think it's yes. just going to bring bring a bit of lightheartedness that maybe the show needs because we're going to have a lot of death. Right. Young Uhtred's going to go, but he's going to wear his headphones the whole time. So don't yes. talk to me, Dad. <laughs> um, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. I'm excited. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Alright guys, well, it's the start of a new season of The Last Kingdom, which means we need to think bigger than our normal next episode wishes predictions. We're channeling our inner Reddit conspiracy theorists to nail down just what exactly is in store for fans this season. Let the speculation begin. Yeah, like, you know, it's kind of interesting the way we're approaching this new season is because when we decided to make this podcast, we had already seen the first three seasons. I mean, it's got to be Ethelflaed for me. Like, the mm. woman gives absolutely zero f***s about pissing off her husband, you know, getting stoned to death for adultery or whatever mm. terrible punishment she would have to face. Um, you know, when she sees a Viking warlord she wants, she goes after it. And it's the kind of hot girl summer energy I think we need right now. Listen, Jessica, summer is canceled. Hot girl summer oh, energy it? has nowhere to go. <laughs> um, it's not for sure that it's canceled yet. Oh, uh, okay. Um, listen, like, I just respect. I respect the like the kind of go getter attitude. That's of fair. Flynn. That's fair. Um, I know it's basic, but I've got to go with Uhtred. Like, I do think he's making a mistake sailing off to Bebenberg without an army. But to quote Sirius Black, the man has done his waiting. Like, we've been complaining <laughs> about him not going back to Bebenberg for seasons now. So I can't be like, well, I don't think you should go now when he's actually going. That would be awfully hypocritical of me. So I'm glad that he's making moves, even though they might be a mistake. Yeah, I mean, nothing's going to, like, satisfy everyone. And you're right. We've been really hard on him about this whole, like, birthright thing. So right, right. Maybe we just need to have a little bit more faith. I don't know. Mm. I just, the show is, like, you know what the show's done to us. Like, right. we, we've been taught our lesson when it comes to, like, being optimistic. So That's extremely true. All bets are off. Um, All bets are off. No rules. <laughs> um, also, like... As much as I trust the Kokum crew, I'm, like, seriously worried about this sort of sneaky mm. attempt to take back Bebenberg. Like, I get it. They rule. But the fortress seems to be pretty impenetrable. 
Um, and sort of, you know, I just, I think it's going to be a da- more dangerous than Uhtred thinks. Um, also, you know, sort of based on his Jim Morrison hair and fancy flowing robes, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that Edward is going to start a 1970s rock band any day now. Um, which sure. also, I I sort of felt, I sort of thought they did a really good job of sort of um, portraying Edward's difference from his father through his fashion because Edward, or not mm. Edward, Alfred was always so austere and Edward's like, he's got the flowing hair, he's got the fancy robes, he's got, you know, he looks more like, I think, a stereotypical boy king should look. Um, sure. And I think that really plays into a lot of the differences between him and his dad. Yeah, ninth century millennial right here. Yeah. Um, he's, like, he's definitely, like, in the yellow submarine phase of the Beatles, like, discography. <laughs> like, he's a flower child full through and through. Right. Um. I wish I could feel bad for Aylesworth. I mean, I, I I, appreciate that she's always been a schemer, and she's been a really successful schemer. And sure. that's why we've really not liked her over the seasons, because her scheming has kind of gone up against Uhtred, and obviously he's the hero of this thing. Yeah, we right. love him. Um, so I respect that. I think, you know, she has made this bed, and even though it's too close to the kitchens, she's mm. got a lie in it. And I know. And she's invited— Ethelhem into her garden. He's the snake. Like, yeah. either, you know, deal with it or kill him. Like, those are your options at this point because he's really embedded himself into Edward's life and he's become his right hand man. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, also this season is going to make me kind of question. Uhtred's leadership abilities, which, to be fair, I've done that, like, every season, and he's, sure. he's always come through. But I think the urge to take back, take back Bebenberg seems to kind of, I don't know, it's giving him, like, tunnel vision right now, mm-hmm. and that always worries me. And also seeing, like, Finnan kind of try to talk some sense into him. It's just, like, little bits where Finnan's like, maybe mm-hmm. we need a bigger boat. Maybe we need more men. You know what right. I mean? And that sure. kind of gives me, like... It really unsettles me. If Finnan is telling you right. <laughs> that maybe we need a better plan <laughs> before right. we, like, go off and kill people, like, right. that's something you need to listen to. And True. so, yeah, I- I'm worried that we're going to sacrifice, you know, too many sweet monks and, and hunky Irishmen for the slab of rock. Yeah, you know, I, you know, I, obviously I love Uhtred, but he does, you know, he has these people in his life that influence him. But at the same time, he almost always is going to do what he wants to do. Um, yeah. So yeah. Utrid got Utrid. Exactly. <laughs> well, the Last Kingdom has a massive cast of interesting characters, and nearly everyone gets their time to shine. Our Arsling of the week is the character who truly goes above and beyond to win the war or simply win our hearts. So, Jessica, who is your Arsling in this episode? I mean, it's got to be Ethelflaed for me. Like, the mm. woman gives absolutely zero fucks about pissing off her husband, you know, getting stoned to death for adultery or whatever mm. terrible punishment she would have to face. Um, you know, when she sees a Viking warlord she wants, she goes after it. And it's the kind of hot girl summer energy I think we need right now. Listen, Jessica, summer is canceled. Hot girl summer oh, energy that? has nowhere to go. <laughs> um, it's not for sure that it's canceled yet. Oh, uh, okay. Um, listen, like, I just respect. I respect the like the kind of go getter attitude. That's fair. Flynn. That's fair. Um, I know it's basic, but I've got to go with Uhtred. Like, I do think he's making a mistake sailing off to Bebenberg without an army. But to quote Sirius Black, the man has done his waiting. Like, we've been complaining (laughs) about him not going back to Bebenberg for seasons now. So I can't be like, well, I don't think you should go now when he's actually going. That would be awfully hypocritical of me. So I'm glad that he's making moves, even though they might be a mistake. Yeah, I mean, nothing's going to, like, satisfy everyone. And you're right. We've been really hard on him about this whole, like, birthright thing. So right, right. Maybe we just need to have a little bit more faith. I don't know. Mm. I just—the show is, like—you know what the show's done to us. Like, right. we, we've been taught our lesson when it comes to, like, being optimistic, so. That's extremely true. 
All right, guys, get ready to shame none the worst character of the episode with us. It doesn't matter if you're a Saxon or a Dane. Anyone can be a turd, and we're calling out the biggest one of the week. So, Alyssa, who really got on your nerves this episode? I'm going to go with Athelhelm. Like, this guy is going mm. a super sneaky route to control his son-in-law and is cutting off Edward's mom in the process, you know, and and really influencing him against Uhtred, which I think we kind of assumed going into the season that Edward and Uhtred would have a better relationship than this. <laughs> Um, and, you know, I think Edward wants to think of himself as an independent ruler, but this guy's playing him. Um, mm-hmm. He's working hard to secure his family legacy, which, you know, fine, I get it. Like, it's a really uncertain time, so you got to hustle where you can. But I think he's got, you know, major machinations to make the royal family all about himself and his legacy instead of Alfred's. And, you know, Edward better watch his back is all I'm saying. Yeah, I do worry, too. I think there's uh, a moment in the episode where they're talking about um, Ethelhelm, like, getting in with the guard, getting in with Stiapa. He's got a, like, good rapport with a lot of different parts of the the castle and uh, different kind of parts of Edward's, like, reign. Mm-hmm. And so it worries me that, like, he's he's kind of you know, making these alliances, like, he, is is being just father-in-law to the king going to be enough for him? No, I think he wields a lot of influence, and he definitely wants even more. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, for me, obviously, there's so many turds on the show, too many to count, but I think Ethelred is still kind of repping this little Ugh, harder than anyone else right the now. The worst. I mean, he's always been a sleazeball, but this interaction with Edith, like, particularly when he starts blaming her for being, like, too sexy and he threatens to rape her while also like assuring her that you know if I do force you it's still your fault like that's just so gross I mean it's like Harvey Weinstein gross like for sure hashtag times up Athelred oh god yeah Athelred like I just I really hope he gets his this season because I'm just I'm sick of I'm sick of him I'm just I'm ready for him to finally get some comeuppance Okay, so we have a new category since we are going into this blind. Um, No character is safe on The Last Kingdom, but some seem to be flirting with death more than others. Ninth century life is pretty fleeting and barbaric, but that doesn't mean we can't have some fun with it. Um, Get ready to place your bets on who's heading to Valhalla soon, because this is the Viking death pool. I feel like we need to have, like, some, like, Viking death pool. Viking death pool. You know what I mean? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> like, some kind of, like, WWE announcer or something. Yeah, like, yeah like, exactly. Like, really need to make this a thing. Right. Because, yeah, we don't know who's going to die this season. Um, and Please don't so, tell us like, if you've already watched it all. Don't. Please. Play the game with us. Like, don't ruin this. And my anxiety, like, thinks that everyone is going to die now. Um, Yeah. I would love to, like, think that Elfrich is going to be, like, the first main character to kind of kick the bucket this season. But I think that's, again, too optimistic. Mm -hmm. Um, So instead, I'm going to play out my worst-case scenario, which is Bioka's days are numbered. I I mean, he's... He's been mourning Tira. He's getting old, lost his place at court, doesn't really have a purpose anymore. Like, I, I don't think it's going to be in the next episode or maybe even the next couple episodes. Um, but I think because, you know, I think he needs that redemption arc first. And he, I think he needs to kind of find something worth living for again. Uh, but I do think he's going to be in the ground before the season's done. And maybe that's going to be kind of a motivating factor for uh, Uhtred to to get his butt in gear and and get things on the right track but yeah the odds are not in Bioka's favor I you know I agree but I also I I think he's going out soon um I think it's too much hope that everyone in the Cookham crew is going to survive the assault on Bebenberg and every time Bioka was on screen I just got a real whiff of like the cop who retires tomorrow and is going on one last mission which is always a narrative death sentence so yeah. I think I think this mercurial monk's days are numbered. Um, I I think the odds are quite bad for him. Um, but yeah, I uh, I agree. I think I think Bayelka's got a target on his back. It's gonna be. I think that's honestly too. I think that's one of the worst deaths. You know, for Uhtred would be sure. to be Bayelka, especially now that he's kind of you know, in a way, kind of roped him into coming. He's kind of convinced him. So, like, there's that guilt there, too. I don't know. I think it would just, like, really do a lot for that kind of character and and where his art goes. So I 
I don't know. I can't yeah. blame the writers for killing Bioka because, yeah, that well, seems like the juiciest death it would <laughs> narratively. Be a, it would be a really narratively impactful death because, you know, now that, you know, Brita and Uhtred don't have any kind of relationship anymore, I don't think. Now that they don't have mm-hmm. Ragnar as that link, and now that they're both so deeply entrenched in the opposing sides, I think Bioka is the only link he has to Bebenberg and who he was. And so I think if he lost that, that would be a particularly devastating thing. So I think it's almost guaranteed yeah, to happen. Also, how sad, you know, if he, he ends up getting Bebenberg, but Bioka's not with him, how sad. Like, you don't have the one person who understands what it really means to get it back yeah. to celebrate with. I mean, that's, yeah, it's almost like a you get the thing you wanted, but you lost the thing that you, you know, didn't really appreciate as much. I don't know. It's just... There's so many reasons that Bioko would might die, so I just can't yeah. see him surviving long. All right, guys. Now, this is... I never get to do this intro, by the way, so I just want to like put that out there that I'm <laughs> so excited to get to do this. Yes. Yeah, we've reformatted. We've added some things. So I'm Yeah, I'm like raring to go. Okay, let's do it. Now, this is clearly a very serious podcast about a very serious show, but sometimes it's nice to indulge in a little thirst. It's 2020. The world is on fire. Honestly, we deserve this. So this is our time to celebrate the thirstiest moments that really blew our skirts up this week. Alyssa, you get to go first. I get to go first. Um, Listen. The first section of this podcast is like my favorite. I don't care. It's definitely the most fun. Um, Listen. This show knows what we want and what we like. Mm -hmm. And, you know, while we love the scheming and the bloodthirstiness and the great character work, they also know that introducing Uhtred ass first this season while he's (laughs) in the throes of passion with Athelflaed is what the people want to see. It's what we need right right. now. Just, you know, a little smattering of fun in the midst of all the drama. Um, But yeah, like this... Sexy between Uhtred and Athelflaed basically feels like fan fiction because it's perfect. Mm-hmm. We've been waiting for this hookup forever. Like, there's been that building of chemistry. And I'm I'm really glad that we didn't have to, like, angst it out with them as they're, like, trying not to be together when they clearly need to be together. I'm glad that they decided, nope, they're going to be together and established so we can see a different phase of their relationship, which I guess isn't, like, particularly thirsty, but I do think it's romantic. Um, yeah. Plus, not to be crass, but that hasn't stopped me in the past. Just say it. Um, can we talk <laughs> about how Uhtred's moves have vastly improved since season one? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we had his clumsy hump with Brita in the woods at the opening of season one when he's, like, still, you know, basically a teen. But now he is a man in his 30s, 40s, and he has been doing the work. Yeah, he's he's learned some moves. Um, I also like that we've upgraded... The uh, setting of every sex yes. scene used to be yes. in the woods by right. a fire, used to be in the woods before a battle, used to be in a tent. Now we're in a hall. Okay, a four-poster bed. bed and mood lighting. <laughs> <Four-poster> bed. <laughs> I mean, luxury, okay? Yes. And nothing but the best for Utherflood. But yes. yeah, I agree. He's definitely upgraded, um, mm-hmm. and she deserves to kind of reap the rewards of that. That's true. Um, so, Alyssa, I assumed that you were going to do the sex scene and pay tribute to it because, you know, of, of course we needed to. Right. I mean, if that didn't get your blood pumping, like, you have to be dead. But mm. I'm going to show some appreciation for Sweet Citric, who I feel like we never give enough, like, credit to. Um, Unacceptable you know, on our is part. Like, yeah, I know. It's it's really our bad. Mm. Finnan is, like, hilarious, and he's just, like, a big personality. Osforth is, like, the sweet baby monk, and we just want to, like, protect him. He's a soft cinnamon roll. So Citric kind of, like, is, is the middle child of the group. He's the quiet, um, mysterious but, type who often gets overlooked, and that's, yeah. that's our bad. It's unfair. So um, I'm going to call him out this week because the eyeliner, mm. the half-shaved head, the silver hair clips. I mean, he's, like, got this, like, 2000s emo punk rock look going for him, and it is really working for me. And I I blame the dudes of My Comical Romance for making me think <laughs> this was ever hot. Yeah. But there's just something about this, like, this kind of angsty look that is really, yeah, it's working. Good job, Cedric. Yeah, I 1,000% Good agree. job, hair and makeup <laughs> The Last Kingdom. Right. Because you knew what to do with him. Yeah, correct. 
Since we recorded our previous seasons, the world has changed a little bit. Life has kind of ground to a halt, and we're just doing our best not to lose our minds in quarantine. So goodbye, Geek Out, and welcome to Self-Care Corner, where we talk about what we're reading, watching, and doing to stave off the seemingly endless alone time. Yeah, you know, we're not really going to the movies right now, so... Jessica, what are you doing to uh, stay sane? I know, first off, like, I know that this is a very serious time, and people are really suffering, and we're lucky to, like, you know, I'm lucky to be sitting in a closet and doing this podcast and be healthy and and everything. I have to say, I miss going to the movie theater. Like, there's just something about that experience that, like... I really, really crave right now. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and maybe that's like kind of uh, influencing what I'm doing in my self care corner this week, which is um, we are rewatching all of the Marvel movies. um, Perfect. In order. Ooh, not that like chronological, like in chronological order of the universe, not of when they were like put out. Okay. Um, Yeah, because it's it. You know, there's a lot that has happened, like, from Iron Man being the first. You know, obviously, that's not the first story in the Marvel Universe. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we're really—we're being serious about this. We I have, like, a checklist. It. Oh, nice. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah. Um, and I just think the power of Chris Evans, mm. a.k.a. America's ass, yeah. to kind of bring positivity into your life cannot be underestimated. Like, Correct. it's just so— just seeing all of these, like, incredibly talented actors kind of living in this world, you kind of get to escape into it. They're just so well made, these movies. And the mm. stories kind of flow, like, seamlessly together. It's just such a—it's an incredible, like, narrative feat, I think, this Marvel Cinematic Universe. And so, also, I think, you know, we just had the anniversary of Endgame. It, it came out, like, a year ago. And yeah. so, um, it's one of the few, like, franchise endings that I really— really liked. Oh my god. And I think that should be appreciated because not everyone gets it right. Um mm. well we won't talk about Star Wars. Uh so yeah, I think it's just good to kind of like escape into that world and um just look at Chris Evans because he's so pretty. I There's agree. so many pretty men in Marvel, it's, I have to say. It's not great. to like yeah, I don't want to objectify, but come on. Well, they knew what they were doing casting wise. Yeah, you know, I guess with Endgame, it kind of does feel like a miracle now in hindsight, doesn't it? Because, like, mm. we get, we got that before the Game of Thrones ending, and we got that before yep. Star Wars wrapping up the Skywalker saga, and, you know, yep. obviously it wasn't perfect. I'm still not certain how I love Cap going back to Peggy Carter at the end, because I'm worried that it kind of <sighs> underwrites her narrative arc, but it's fine. But I... Uh, or Black Widow, that whole... I know. I mean, yeah, there's issues there. There's, sure. But, you know, I think it really did what it had to do to wrap up, what, 24 movies? Um, God, and yeah, insane. I think, 10 years. Yeah. I think uh, Cap-wielding Mjolnir is a moment that I will never be over. So that <sighs> is a really good idea, and I may follow your lead on that. Oh my um, god, chills when everyone is like, when he's like Avengers Assemble and everyone comes oh through that. You know what it's, I mean? Ugh. Yeah. It hits okay. those narrative, those emotional beats that they really needed to do. Um, it I've, does. Been, I've been rewatching Community since it hit Netflix. I know it's been on Hulu for a while, but I kind of try to avoid binging on Hulu because they make you watch ads, um, <sighs> yes. which is annoying. But I kind of forgot how much I loved the early seasons of this show. Um, And honestly, I will say it's like a perfect quarantine watch because it's so insane that it feels so far removed from reality that I don't feel like I'm constantly being reminded of things that I'm missing out on and can't do right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just I I forgot how good the show is, particularly the genre episodes. Like I forgot how much the first I mean, all the paintball episodes are good. But that first one is just, it's so perfect on every single level. Like, it does really good character work. It's hilarious. It's a great spoof of, like, diehard and classic, you know, action movies. But at the same time, it's still, like, a thrilling episode of television. Like, it just, it rips on every single level. And I've really, I've really been enjoying Returning to Greendale. Okay, so I'm going to confess, I've never watched Community. <gasps> oh, my um, God, you have I to, know. Jessica. I've, I'm so embarrassed. It's okay. I, like, I'm doing you have so something done wonderful office to look forward to. Okay, I'm going to. I think, uh, here's the thing. 
I've not been a huge fan of Joel McHale. Um, That's fair. But I love Alison Brie. Obviously love Donald Glover. So good. Love Yvette. Like, there's a lot of people in that cast that I I really enjoy. Here's the Um, thing. So, yeah, I feel like now I have the time. I should just jump into it. Well, here's the thing. Like, Joel McHale, I get that. Um, But I think the show utilizes him in a really good way. Um, and sort of plays into his Joel McHale-ness in a way that you're like, all right, this guy, like, but also yeah. you still okay. love Jeff, but like, it's a, it's a, I think they, I wouldn't worry about that. It's worth, okay. it's worth, it's worth diving in anyway. Um, I'll because, do it for Childish Gambino, man. Ah, oh, he's, I, yes, and maybe quit after Donald Glover leaves the show, but the, the friendship between, Troy and Abed is something that is so special and wonderful, and I just, I really think you would enjoy it. Okay, that, it's on my list. It's going to be right after Parks and Rec. Oh, that's, see, that one is coming up for me, too, I think, because it's just the ultimate, ah. it's the ultimate comfort food show. Like, it's just, it's it just really wonderful is. all the time. God, I, I love Amy Poehler. All right, guys, if you want to hear more of our bullshit, Check us out on Twitter or over at Sci-Fi Wire Fangirls. Also, don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a nice review whenever, wherever you get your podcast. And until next time, destiny is all bitches. <laughs> <laughs>